the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Harbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program, the Friday edition. We've come to the end of a week, and it's rainy out there, so please, please, please be careful. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand Up for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions and questions about stuff going on in your life. Uh, anything that's on your heart, all you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And if you're driving in the car, especially on these wet streets, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, it's a weekend for us. That's when we roll up our sleeves and go to work. Tonight I'm going to be teaching... Uh, in Revelation chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, we're going to talk about the church at Smyrna, the suffering church, but the only church, uh, oh, I'm sorry, one of two churches that in Jesus' seven letters, he had nothing corrective, negative uh, to say whatsoever. Uh, he just wraps his arms around this suffering church and lets him know that because he's alive, they too will live forever. So that's tonight here at 7 o'clock at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. You can watch it live stream at calvarysa.com. On Sunday, I'm going to be uh, teaching again on the spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, We're going to talk very specifically about individual gifts, and then uh, um, we're going to go on to gifts that aren't in 1 Corinthians next time, but are listed in other books of the Bible. Just we're doing a complete survey on the spiritual gifts. And then in between on Saturday, I have the privilege and honor of doing a a wedding renewal uh, uh, for dear, dear friends, people in the church um, who uh, have come such a long way in their walk with the Lord. It's amazing 
to see what the Lord has done. So we're going to do that here tomorrow afternoon. Well, let's get to some questions while we await your phone calls. And we'd love to end the week with your phone calls. Um, uh, The first, this isn't a question, it's just a comment. Um, hello, I'm Alan, and I'll, I'll omit his last name that he did. He said, I've been to your church several times, and I listened to Pastor Ron's radio show at 4 o'clock for years. Uh, I've been disabled because of a heart condition. I've called Pastor Ron for prayer on several occasions. Would you please tell him to continue to pray for me? He told me to call him and tell him how I was doing. Uh, and then he says, or Alan, if you're listening today, you say you, you've tried on several occasions to call during the show. Uh, I don't know why the, the, the three four zero ninety five eighty five number, we have somebody who is always there. This to, is a vacation. Um, um, oh, when, I'm sorry. A couple of times when you would have called, it would have been when we were gone and, and there's nobody manning. They only have people manning during the live shows. So that would be the reason. But Alan, we, we continue to pray for you. God bless you. I appreciate more than I can tell you um, um, that you let us know how you're doing, and I'm really grateful um, that uh, that you're you're doing well. Uh, I will say hello, to Pastor Ken, in May for you. Uh, we are grateful for you, and we will be praying for you. Thank you very much for letting us know. Here is a question from Daniel. From our mobile app, he says, Do we know if each of the twelve apostles came from one of each of the twelve tribes of Israel? Daniel, we know they did not. There's no connection between the twelve tribes and them being represented among the twelve apostles. Now, here's the reason that we know um, that that they couldn't have come from uh, each of the twelve tribes, is there were two for sure and probably three sets of brothers among the twelve. So they would have come from the same tribe. Uh, we know the brothers are James and John, Peter and Andrew, and then um, uh, Matthew uh, and Simon the Less, he was called, uh, in the first century church. Or James the Less, I'm sorry, uh, from the first century church. Uh, and they were both sons of Alphaeus, and likely they were brothers as well. So there's no correlation between the twelve tribes and the twelve apostles whatsoever. It would be interesting if that were the case, but it's simply not possible that that's true. Daniel, good question. Thank you. And I love the curiosity. I I love curious people. Scott, our friend, says, writing, uh, sending this to our email inbox, uh, quotes Proverbs 16.33, where it says, The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. And here's this question. Does that mean that our plans or intents are directed by the Lord? Or does that mean that even though our intent is good, God makes sure we end up heading in the right direction no matter what decision we make? Scott's a complicated question, but we have to remember um, uh, the the, uh, book of Proverbs, along with with Psalms and Ecclesiastes and uh, the Song of Solomon and the book of Job. uh, They are poetic books. And so these are generalizations. Uh, this isn't something that happens every time. It's interesting that you ask about the lot, because as you know, in the book of Acts, in the first chapter, uh, the disciples, who will become apostles when the Holy Spirit falls upon the church, uh, they cast a lot to find out who would be the one to replace Judas. That was the Jewish way of determining the will of God. 
Now, I can say this, in matters of Israel and matters of God's will being done, Scott, then yes, it was God who was controlling the lot. These were, were men who were looking for the will of God. God simply was honoring that by by letting them know uh, that, that he was in charge. So that was what they were doing. Now, we would think casting a lot today is superstitious and, and not very effective. And of course, that's true. But here's the bigger question that you asked. Does it mean that God... Um, will make sure that we end up heading in the right direction no matter what decision we make. Now, I want to communicate this clearly because it's so important. Those of us whose heart is right with God, and when we have a decision, if we want to honor God in that decision, if what we want is His will to be done, if we can be like Jesus and say, nevertheless, Thy will, not my will, be done. Now remember, Paul says, with thanksgiving, we can make our request known to God. But we also know that we have to be able to say, nevertheless, Lord, thy will, not my will, be done. So if we really and truly understand that, and if our heart is okay with whatever God says, whatever God's will for our lives eventually is going to be, then yes, God is going to protect us. I say all the time, Scott, that if your heart is right with God, you don't have to be right in terms of making the correct decision. And over my years here as the pastor at Calvary Chapel of San Antonio, I cannot tell you how many times that I believed God wanted me to do something. My heart was in the right place. And it turned out that that the decision that I wanted to make wasn't the right decision at all. And God protected me from those decisions over and over and over again. And every time that happens, I learn something about God. I learned how much He loves me. I learned how little of my Christian walk really depends on me. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. He is the author and finisher of our faith. That's got to think too many of us. We live our lives in such a way that that um, we think that that somehow it depends on us to get to the right place. And because I say, just be with Jesus all the time, Scott. What that means is, if you're with Jesus, you're not going to make the wrong decisions. That's the thing we've got to believe by faith. I think our problem is that when there are decisions to make, decisions that affect our family, decisions that affect other people, and I'm talking about all kinds of, should I move, should I take this job, should I marry this person, all kinds of decisions. I think we want such certainty, such clarity that it no longer requires us to walk by faith. And and if Jesus is going to direct your steps, you've got to demonstrate that you trust him. And so uh, the lot uh, that's cast in the lap, but its decision is from the Lord, that was true in the Old Testament construct. But remember, you and I, we have the person of the Holy Spirit, Christ in us, the hope of glory, living inside. And that means that we can ask God for wisdom, James says, And God who gives wisdom generously or liberally, uh, he will respond. Again, I just think what God wants us to learn to do is to take steps of faith. And when I say take steps of faith, we take those steps into the unknown, which demonstrates to God how we trust him. And oh, how that pleases him, Scott. Oh, how that pleases him. I hope that answers your question. It is a really, really important question. Thank you very, very much. Here is Ruben from Seguina on line one. Ruben, it's been too long. Are you doing okay? Yes, sir. It's been too long. I didn't realize that y'all were gone for two weeks. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Um, I'm I'm doing great. 
I good. am. My spirits. My spirit is soaring. It is soaring, and uh, I want to tell somebody out there. I don't know who, but I just want to tell somebody out there who may be going through something right now in their physical body, in their marriage, in their family, and it just doesn't seem to be going right. And you're asking God, why, 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 God? Stop asking God why and just focus on God. Let me tell you why. Because my health is deteriorating. Diabetes is on, uh, is is just trying to take control of my body, but I'm not going to let it. Um, I'm becoming paralyzed slowly. Pain in my body is just erratic. I mean, is uh, not erratic. It is constant. But I praise God in all things. I give him honor because I wake up every morning. I give him honor mm-hmm. because he gives me the strength to go through what I am going through right now. And I just want to encourage somebody, if I can, if, if at least one person out there who's listening to me is going through something and it's the hardest thing you've ever gone through, stop focusing on the, on the issue that is, that is bothering you and then start focusing on God. <laughs> you know, uh, I, I just I just want to say this real quick. Uh, as, I, as, I, as, I, as I was uh, uh, reading um, over and over again, like, like, you know, I've been reading the Bible over from the beginning and then, you know, um, I keep going to that place, Psalm 91. I keep reading <laughs> over it. And it just says, you know, he who dwells in the secret place. And that's all I stopped there. And to me, this is just to me, I feel like the Lord tells me, run to that secret place when you're scared, <laughs> Ruben. Run to that secret place when you're, you're tired. Run to that secret place when you're hurting, Ruben. Run to that secret place, and I'll do the rest. Yes. Um, I, 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 I didn't have a question, but I just felt that on my heart, and, and I hope you don't mind that I said it. I'm not a prophet. I'm not trying to prophesy <laughs> to anybody or anything. That's because that's not what I am. I just felt this from the Lord. Ruben, I appreciate it. And, and you're right, it was from the Lord. And you, you said, if it just encourages one person, I'm not going through any of those things, and it encourages me. So that's more right. than enough. And, and yet I can <laughs> promise you, Ruben, that uh, that word ministered to a whole lot of people so thank you very very much and i would ask the uh, thank you reuben i would ask the audience to keep reuben in your prayers he's a young man who who uh, has uh, been physically compromised for a long time he's gone through things that that i only know because of of uh, our relationship here on the on the show and and some some contact off off the air a little bit uh, he's gone through a lot, and yet uh, he's coming out the other side of it with greater faith than he ever imagined possible. Uh, and uh, so please keep Reuben uh, in your prayers. Uh, and Reuben, God bless you. Thank you so much. Um, you said what I've been saying for a long time. Just be with Jesus. That's a secret place. And you're going to be okay. He will give you the peace that passes our ability to understand uh, if we'll just give him the opportunity. And that is huge, gigantic faith that Reuben demonstrated there. So run to Jesus. Run to the secret place. Run into the arms of the Most High God. 
Ruben, God bless you. Thank you, and I appreciate knowing you're doing well in spite of the pain that you're in. Oh, 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Rachel asks, I am a Christian but have serious doubts about some things like hell and eternal punishment. Is God okay with those kind of doubts? Um, Rachel, God is always okay with doubts. You know, if Thomas doubted and Thomas walked with Jesus and, and, and Jesus appeared to him, said, touch and feel, Thomas, of course God is okay with doubts. But here's what you've got to do, Rachel. You've got to protect yourself by finding out the answers to those things. Now, you don't tell me the kind of doubts you have about hell or eternal punishment, like whether they're real or or whether it's fair. You, you don't indicate that. But we all have doubts at some point about some things. But here's what you have to do. The two things that you indicated, hell and eternal punishment, if your doubt is that they're real, open your Bible and find out. And what you've got to do is decide, am I going to take God at his word? Do I really believe that the Bible is the word of God? And am I going to take him at his word? Am I going to let what he says change who I am and what I think about? And see, the way that we deal with this, Rachel, is that we grow in our faith by dealing with our doubts, not by ignoring him, not by just keep asking the same questions. You know, as a pastor, one of the things that's that's painfully frustrating to me and causes me a lot of heartbreak is people that are always asking questions but aren't invested in finding out the answers. And I'm going to challenge you, Rachel, to settle these things. Is hell real? Jesus said it is. Is eternal punishment real? Jesus spoke an enormous amount about eternal punishment. Weeping and gnashing of teeth in a fire where the worm won't die. People are going to be aware of their suffering. And they're going to be suffering forever and ever and ever. Now, you've got to resolve your doubts about those things because until you do, the enemy is going to have a field day attacking you. So yes, I want you to know God's fine with those doubts. He's got big shoulders laid on him, but he'll also challenge you, Rachel, to find out what the answers are for yourself. Zachary asks a question, how is it possible to entertain angels without knowing it? His reference, of course, is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. Um, Zachary, uh, angels, I'll give you an example. In Genesis chapter 18 and 19, um, angels went in in the form of men to Sodom and Gomorrah. And the people there, the citizens there, believed that, that they were, were, were just humans. Uh, they appeared to be human, but we know, the Bible makes it clear, that they were destroying angels. Um, and, and they entertained, uh, in a perverse way, those angels, and they didn't know it. And, of course, their destruction was uh, certain. Uh, it's also true that, that, that other angels, I don't know if you ever watched the show, Zachary, you can YouTube it, I think, uh, Touched by an Angel. Uh, and there were all kinds of storylines that, that, are, that are, 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 are biblically right on, uh, where angels would appear in a community, uh, good and bad angels, by the way, and, uh, and the people wouldn't know who they were. The power behind the power kind of thing. 
uh, I am certain that that um, uh, I've been in the presence of angels before. They've rescued me and and Paula and and some other people uh, that we were with at different times uh, from destruction. And so the idea is be nice to everybody because you just might find out that you were entertaining an angel, that you were in the presence of an angel of God and didn't know it. I think there's something else, Zachary, that we need to, to, to make sure we people understand, and that's that angels minister here on earth at the command of God. And so angels are all around us. We know from heaven the angels long to look into the things of grace. The reason we don't know it is because most of the time those angels aren't visible to us. There have been times, and I'll give you one example that, that turns out both good and bad, uh, I went out as a brand new Christian, uh, my life a mess. Um, I went out to take a, a long walk with Jesus, and um, I just knew I needed to be where he was. And uh, I was overwhelmed with fear, with uh, just almost more difficult than I can explain to you. Uh, it, it was like there was a, a dark cloud that enveloped me. And I started running, and I ran quite a long way just, just because I, I was that afraid. And I remember crying out, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me. And I, I actually stopped at a phone. It was one of the neat times, a payphone. Now, a lot of you don't know what a payphone is. But back then, a payphone, it was a dime to make a phone call. I didn't have a dime on me. And I, I went running to this payphone, and I opened the change drawer, and there was a dime in there. I made the call to Paula. Paula, would you pray for me? Please pray for me. That's how serious it was. And um, Paula began praying. I was praying. And on the way back, it was about a mile and a half on the way back from from that phone call, um, I, I felt as though there was a, an angel of God, a good angel. It was right there, and I knew I was safe. I knew I was going to be okay. So uh, I think that the, we, we sometimes forget the, the context of this. We just need to be kind to people. We need to walk by faith. We need to trust people. Um, because it might be that we're in the presence of angels. Thank you, Zachary. Appreciate the question. We're inside five minutes, so we'd love your calls and questions. Here's one from uh, Greg. My church is having a set of revival meetings. Is that biblical? Um, Greg, no, it's not. If, if I understand a revival set of, of meetings, uh, you're trying to schedule a move of God's Holy Spirit. No, you can't do that. That's just usually uh, charismatic silliness. Um, um, God alone um, is responsible for, for for any revival. And those revivals need to be um, um, God's Spirit poured out upon God's people. So the idea that we can schedule an evangelist or we can schedule a meeting where where the Spirit's going to fall or we can schedule miracle healings or things like that, that's just, again, charismatic silliness and, and it isn't biblical. Now, Greg, here's what you can do. Um, you can, as a part of the church, uh, and if I'm right and it's it's a, an unhealthy, imbalanced church, then you need to think about that. But right now, you can simply say, Jesus, I'm going to quote J. Vernon McGee here. He said, if you want to start a revival, you draw a circle on the ground, you stand in the middle of that circle and cry out to God, Lord, let revival begin in this circle. Because it has to be 
a decision individuals make to be revived by the Spirit of God. I think when we try to schedule a, a revival or we try to, to plan something like this, we're just saying, okay, come to church and something's going to happen to you. It never happens that way. When we come to church, we come to meet with the Most High God. It means we need to walk in holiness. It needs to be we repentant of sins. We need not just a revival, but a re-Bible, because a, a real revival will always be accompanied by the, the power of God's Word. The last revival that we had in this world, uh, Greg, was um, more than 50 years ago in the late 60s and early 70s. Calvary Chapel was sort of at the vanguard of that revival. And... Um, um, God's Spirit was poured out on mostly hippies, not just hippies, but mostly hippies, people that had dropped out. They were sort of the bottom of the barrel in the human race. And God's Spirit met them in a powerful way and changed the world that we live in. And uh, it, nobody scheduled it. Nobody knew it was going to happen. It just happened. And people began repenting of sin turning to God and the Spirit of God was doing amazing things and that's what happens in a real revival. It's not a time of excitement. It's not a week of meetings. It's not phony miracles. It's not falling over so-called slain in the Spirit. It's none of that nonsense. It's people getting right with God. And when people get right with God in the, in the, the Jesus movement days of the 60s and 70s, it was people getting right with God doing away with drugs, doing away with sexual immorality, uh, uh, re-engaging in the community, uh, living a life, visibly living a life for Jesus Christ. So uh, if your church is scheduling a revival, it's not a revival at all. But Greg, you can be revived and God can use you to be a light in the darkness right in that very place. So you surround yourself with the person of Jesus Christ. You get in that circle. You repent of your sins. And then you can say, Jesus, use me to be an example for others. Hey, we've got 30 minutes left in our week. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. This is the word to stand on for life. We'll be back in two minutes. to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to our final half hour of the week 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Let's take a phone call from Alan, who has been holding uh, from the other side of the break. Alan, you're on the air. Thanks for calling. Uh, hi, Pastor Ron. I just uh, got out of the store to get the item wanted to get, and I turned on your program and Mr. Rubin, it, it has words of encouragement, and I, I, he was, I, I can't. Uh, even began to say how encouraging he was. Thank you. Thank you. Ellen, we're having some trouble, I guess, with the connection here. Encouraging. 
Good. You wanted him to know that. Thank you, Ellen. Appreciate it very, very much. Wherever you are, you're breaking up, and I'm sorry, but thank you for calling. I appreciate it very, very much. Let's take a call from Cindy on line two from San Antonio. Cindy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. Hi, I'm, um, I'm, I've got a couple things. One, Wednesday night was so fascinating. I, I just loved the way everything got pieced together and the different tribes. And I was kind of happy that the tribe of Judah came from Leah. You know, it was kind of like a maybe through the course of time and space, she got to look back and see that the tribe of Judah came from her and was kind of like a little extra special blessing, you know, having to be married to Jacob, who really didn't want to want to be married to her. So it was sort of like a little extra bonus point. But that has nothing to do with why I called. Why I called is, well, there are two things. One, somewhere in the Old Testament that it says that a third of the stars fell from heaven. And then the other thing that I really am calling about is uh, Matthew twenty four twenty nine. It's talking about the very end times. And it's talking about the stars falling from the sky. And I'm rather perplexed on how do stars fall out of the sky when the sky is everywhere? Or do they just like start flying around all over the place? Or do they land on Earth? Or I don't know. It's just it's probably one of those things that it doesn't really matter a whole lot. And I could either take it off the stove or put it on the back burner. I was just very curious about it. So I'll let you untangle all this and um, <laughs> listen to radio. Thank you, Cindy. God bless you. Hey, uh, the Wednesday night study, um, um, you know, I, I recommend it not just because I did it. I, I really enjoyed it. I told the church they're always in trouble when I really love a passage of Scripture or a, or a, or a Bible study. And, and it was absolutely fascinating. And one of the things that never occurred to us, it, it just, I'm sure it just occurred to women, but we men are so thick-headed it doesn't occur to us. You know, we know that Jacob didn't want to be married to her. But but I'm certain she didn't want to be married to him either. And it just shows the sovereign care and the love of God in taking care of those who other people won't take care of. And as I said in that Bible study Wednesday night, uh, Cindy, the the um, at the end where he was buried with Leah, um, it indicates that, that in retrospect, after Jacob was changed by Jesus, um, he had a completely different perspective on Leah and her faithfulness. And I think in this particular case, he knew um, that that the, the the Messiah, the Christ, was going to come from one of her sons. So I, I think that's a really, really great Bible study. Uh, if anybody is interested in going to listen to it, you can listen to it at calvarysa.com. It's just last Wednesday night, uh, just two nights ago, and and I really enjoyed it. Regarding the stars that fell, that's out of in the book of Revelation, uh, Cindy. Um, it's Revelation chapter 12, verse 4. Speaking of Satan, the dragon, its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. Uh, the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth. That's that's Israel. She's talking the the woman, uh, so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. And we know, of course, that that actually occurred. Herod tried to kill all of the babies. That 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 gives us a little bit of insight into that that action. We wonder how could Herod issue an order to kill all the babies? That was Satan. Herod's responsible. He did it. Uh, he is suffering for it at this very moment. But. 
Uh, it was the devil who empowered him and moved him to do some unthinkable thing. Um, in the book of Esther, in the Old Testament, the closest the Jews ever came to completely being exterminated in this world. Right? That was the devil in Haman. That's the way it is. And by the way, and this is um, controversial, I'm sure, for some. Uh, it shouldn't be for Christians. When we are trying to murder babies in the womb, when I say trying, we, when we are murdering babies in the womb, that too is Satan. Human hosts, but that's Satan who is the one who is behind it all. Whenever you see that kind of murder, that is always Satan. Uh, regarding the stars that fell, uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 29, and he's he's referring now to um, um, the prophecy of Joel in the Old Testament. It says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens shaken. And that's simply, the, the those are the signs that are going to occur during the Great Tribulation. We won't see that, Cindy, but uh, the stars are going to fall uh, out of the sky and that's just an indication that um, time is short. Um, again, we Christians won't see that sign. Uh, those are the prophecies of the prophet Joel that refer to the, the, the time right before that called the great and dreadful day uh, when Jesus returns to the earth to exact justice. Thank you, Cindy. Appreciate it. We had a caller on line three. You couldn't stay in the line. It's Joe. He said, in the book of Job, when God restored his family, which woman or which woman do the kids belong to? Uh, and it says, Joe will listen on the radio. Um, Joe, if you're, if you're talking about when he had new new family, or new, you know, he, he, he lost his children and God blessed him and his wife with, with more children, double the number of children. Now, um, um, that would be children from him and his wife. And we don't have any details about the wife. We don't have any details about how old they are. But, but God simply restored. The book of Joel talks about restoring the years the locust has, has stolen. Uh, that's exactly what God did with Job. Now, one of the things I want to say, Joe, in this is that, you know, we, we too often take a casual look at Job and say, well, you know, he, he was doubly rich. He had double the number of kids. So, yeah, it was tough. And what he went through, and by the way, I think we, we can pretty much determine that the, the book of Job occurred over a period of about nine months. So all of the suffering and all the pain occurred in a period of about nine months. So you can understand what an intense time that was. We can't begin to understand the grief of a man who lost his beloved children. All of them. All of them. In an in, in, in instant, they were gone. Lost his wealth lost his health. And he had to deal with all of that at the same time. Um, God restored it, but that didn't make it okay. It doesn't mean that he didn't love those ten children that were taken from him. Um, that's just... Uh, it's, it's, we live with grief. Job said, Lord gives, Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And and, and he had to learn that, that he could trust God. That was a difficult time for him. 
as we know. There were the three friends that turned out not to be so friendly. Um, but um, God was always there, and God was his refuge. If only there were a man to stand between me and the Most High, he said. And, of course, God intended all along to send that man his name is Jesus Christ. Good question, Job. Or Joe, thank you very, very much from the book of Job. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is a question from a pastor. It says, what is the best way to view Bible commentaries when studying? You know, um, first of all, pastor, thank you for your service for the Lord. Um, it's true, we got the best job in the world, isn't it? Um, but among pastors and, and other scholars, there's a lot of um, variance between uh, views on, on how to use Bible commentaries. I'm going to tell you what, what I always did. Uh, as a young believer, I leaned very heavily on them. They led me in the right, right direction. But I wanted to be sure that uh, I was reading more Bible than commentary. And after I'd read a commentary, then I'd go back to the Bible and check out whether or not that's the case. Uh, eventually, I got to the place where I would do all my studying, and then I would go to some reliable commentators, and, and I, I just wanted to be sure that I wasn't off base. Um, I, I didn't let them change my perspective but if I was saying something that nobody else said, then I, I probably was wrong. So what I wanted to do was was go reevaluate um, what what I had been studying. So so I view Bible commentaries as important. I think it's critical that you find some commentators that are trustworthy. That that, that doesn't mean that you don't always check them out. We're to be Bereans, and we always check them out. But I have oh maybe a dozen commentators that I, uh, I I can comfortably and reliably go to. I know their train of thought. Uh, I've, I've done the homework. I've checked out their, their, their logic process. Um, and and uh, I, I know where they are coming from, what their theological perspective they're coming from is. And, uh, and, and even those whose theological perspective is, is slightly different than mine, I can account for that. Um, um, the first one I ever I ever learned from was was F. F. Bruce, uh, who remains my favorite, the most important Bible commentator in my thirty years of walking with Jesus. Uh, I absolutely love what he's done. Uh, the New International Commentary series. He's the general ed- general editor for that series, uh, and he is the the commentator on Romans and Acts. Uh, but uh, other commentators are 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 in that that series, and uh, I've found them to be very trustworthy. There's some old guys I like, H.A. Uh, Ironside, and I like um, um, now my memory would will, will fail. Um, but uh, others who who believed uh, Thomas Newell, William Newell, uh, rather not Thomas Newell, William Newell. Um, who 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 were staunch in believing, holding on to the fact that Israel would be regathered to their people, though they 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 wrote their commentaries in the early 20th century uh, before Israel, before it was even thought possible that Israel would ever return. So uh, I think we we view them as a help, um, but we don't rely on them. There's a lot of stuff available now. Uh, online for free, good people. Ray Stedman 
uh, who is with the Lord. Um, um, uh, Morgan, uh, G. Campbell Morgan, um, uh, so many others that that, uh, that that are dependable. So so read them; they're valuable. Um, just don't let them um, make you a sort of regurgitator of their ideas. Check them out, but always figure out where the Lord is leading you. Uh, but I'm a, I, I love reading. I, I did before I lost my, my vision. I love reading, and, and um, fortunately I've got a... Lord has blessed me with a good memory. And uh, uh, I really regret, uh, Pastor, I really regret uh, that I can't read uh, in the volume uh, that I used to. So, so I, I hope that answers your question. Thank you again for your service. Uh, to the Lord and to his family. 340-9585. Scott says, you say that your church is charismatic, but what do you mean by that? Uh, A charismatic church is a church that believes the gifts of the Spirit are for today, Scott. That's all that means. Um, uh, There are churches that are cessationists. Uh, They don't believe the gifts of the Spirit are for today, that they ceased uh, with the canon of Scripture uh, being closed. Uh, the Bible doesn't say that. I think that's bad exegesis. Actually, it's isogesis, which is even worse. Um, but our church is charismatic, and we exercise and encourage our people to exercise the gifts of the Spirit. In fact, and you heard me say this in the first half hour, uh, I'm currently in the book of 1 Corinthians on Sunday mornings, and uh, our church is in chapter 12, and we're right now going through those gifts on a gift-by-gift basis. Uh, and and I'm, I'm pleading with our people to seek God with all of your heart for all of the gifts that he has for you. You don't want to hold anything back. You don't want to miss out on anything. And then, then we need to use those gifts. Now, one of the problems, Scott, that causes this divide between charismatic and cessationist is that so many charismatic churches, in fact, I would dare say most charismatic churches, are out of control. You know, they use the gifts, but they're using them in a way that contradicts the, the way the Bible tells us to use them, and they're just out of control, which means that they're not really gifts of the Spirit. That's what was going on in the city of Corinth. In Corinth, the church was 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 exercising, they would say, we're exercising gifts of the Spirit, but they were doing it empowered by the flesh. And so it's counterfeit. It's not the Holy Spirit at all. It's the spirit of the world, the spirit of flesh, or in some cases, it's an evil spirit. I have seen lots and lots of church experiences that I knew were being controlled by the devil himself. So we're charismatic, but we're not crazy charismatics in the sense that we're out of control. And Scott, I would um, refer you to 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 12 explains the gifts and our relationship to them. 1 Corinthians 14 explains how those gifts are to be used and the way to determine what is of the Lord and what isn't from the Lord is do those, the exercise of gifts, do they, they line up with 1 Corinthians 14 or are they in opposition to 1 Corinthians 14? So that's exactly what I mean by charismatic. And, and uh, we will never stop using the gifts, honoring the gifts. We just want to do it in a way that honors the Lord in all that we do.
So, Scott, thank you for the question. It's an important gift. I have been begging, and I referred to this a moment ago. I have been begging our church to seek God for a new, a fresh source of power in their lives. And I'm going to keep begging. we got three chapters, 12, 13, and 14, in the First Corinthians, where I'm going to keep begging shamelessly. Um, no embarrassment at all. I'm going to keep begging. I don't want to miss out on anything. Let's go to Ray in San Antonio on line one. Ray, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor Ron. It's raining here. How about you? <laughs> well, I can't hear it outside, but Sam is putting his thumb up, so I guess it's yeah. raining outside. Um, I was going to call yesterday, but then I decided not to because I didn't want to interrupt your date day. Edition. But anyway, when you started off talking about the uh, restaurant, that you were so happy when you saw that they were, they had Bibles out. And I wondered, mm-hmm. what Bible was it? Was it the, you know, King James or NIV 2011? You know, I just wondered about that. And if you knew, that would, if you don't, that's okay too. But yeah. the other thing was, uh, it, it crossed my mind when you were saying, well, nobody got to see the Lord, uh, you know, couldn't see God, otherwise you'd die. And <clears throat> since we both used to watch wrestling, you're probably familiar <laughs> with the fellow that I believe he married one of the Bella twins, but uh, he would take his hand, palm to his face, and shake it back and forth and say, you can't see me. <laughs> and uh, I, I would say his name, but uh, you know who I mean. And I just wondered, well, was that, you know, in his mind, uh, <laughs> supremacy, you know, as far as <laughs> nobody could see God, so you can't see me. <laughs> and I'm going to listen to what you have to say about it on the radio. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. God bless you. And you can interrupt us on date day anytime you want to, so please don't worry about it. Um, Ray, to be candid, I grew up on wrestling. But but I, when I grew up on wrestling, wrestling wasn't fake. Now, everybody laughs when I say that, but boy, I was a kid. I was committed. I knew it was real, and those guys were my heroes. And I was a huge fan. And when I grew up, it's kind of like finding out about Santa Claus. When I grew up and found out it was fake, I lost interest. So I don't know the wrestler that you're speaking about. I I haven't watched wrestling um, for many, many, many decades. But uh, I grew up on wrestling and was a huge fan. Used to go to, to wrestling matches. I just loved it. So I'm sorry. I don't know who that person is. Um, the Bible's interestingly enough, uh, in this restaurant in Carlsbad, uh, they were new King James. Um, I, I, I looked, um, three years, four years ago, uh, when, when we had a conversation with the owner then, uh, but just this this time when Paul and I were there, um, I just had the opportunity to thank somebody. And as you know, Ray, I'm always looking for opportunities, Lord, to open a door and and talk to people about Jesus. So um, I just I just wanted to thank her for um, for having the Bibles. And she didn't even know it's the owner's wife, but um, you know she got to hear about Jesus. Well, God's good. That's a great thing that you're doing, and and uh, we wanted her to know that. So good call, Ray. Thank you very, very much. 
Um, my, my producer saying it was John Cena who quoted, you can't see me. So John Cena is deluded is what you're saying to me. <laughs> Thank you, Ray. Appreciate it very, very much. We're inside four minutes now. What happened to the time today? Um, anonymous question says, how much freedom do Christians have in their marriage bed? Is anything off limits? I wish I held this one on Monday, Anonymous, so I could spend some more time. Um, we have the freedom. Remember, in the marriage bed, this is an important concept. In the marriage bed, we're servants. We're not in the marriage bed to have our flesh satisfied, nor to have our carnal desires satisfied. We're in the marriage bed in order to satisfy our partner. And that's the way it's supposed to be. So, um, if you look at it from that perspective, that's the that's the only freedom that we have. Now, I realize you're talking about specific acts. And what what that means is that anything that brings your partner pleasure something that they can participate in with a clear conscience. Um, um, none of that is off limits. So you have the freedom to do things uh, sexually uh, as long as it doesn't violate your partner's conscience, remembering that we are servants in the marriage bed. With regard to is anything at all off limits, there's only one thing, and the Bible condemns it from the Old Testament all the way through, and that's sodomy. Uh, anal sex is off limits for Christians, period. So, um, you know, when we we try to dabble into things like that, um, usually anonymous, it's it's because we've been watching pornography. Um, that that's we're not to use our freedom, our sexual freedom, for those kind of things that don't honor God. Men were to love our wives we Christ loved the church. You can't imagine Jesus loving his church in a perverse way. However, anything and everything else, you have the absolute freedom to bring pleasure to your wife or the wife to the husband. Uh, I've said many times on this program that the purpose of sex in a marriage is to be enjoyed. It's to be fun. It's to be playful. It's to be adventurous. And when it is, it's pleasing to the Lord. And it's holy to the Lord. So those are very important things. Remember to use your freedom for the benefit of others. That's a principle that Paul communicates all the way through his epistles. I'm free to do all things, but I want to do that which exalts or advances the cause of someone else. And when we sacrifice our own freedom for another, God then is the one who fills our heart with the freedom and the joy of being true servants and being a servant at home anonymous is the most important thing that any of us, especially men in our responsibility as um, spiritual heads of the household um, our responsibility is to represent Jesus and if you're representing Jesus then you're not going to have any problems with that but oral sex, other things, that's fine enjoy your wife may your wife enjoy you and uh, and have some fun in the marriage bed. Make it playful. Hope that helps. Thank you very, very much. And I let me apologize. I probably, that question came up quicker than I thought it was going to come up. I probably should have warned people that if you have children around um, to turn down the sound. So forgive me for not doing that. 
Hey, we are off. Busy weekend. I hope you go to church. I hope you find somebody that needs to be prayed for. Or or you ask God, Lord, give me the gifts of your spirit to minister to others. He'll be blessed, and so will you. God bless you. Lord willing, I'll be back on Monday on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then.